This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. Hello you numpties, this is the villain Marty Skell and you're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. <laughs> you're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling with your hosts Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. If this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 66. I'm Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and I have torn myself away from playing sad Triple H in the new God of War game yes. to be here with you, sir, and with all of you listeners out there. Thank you so much for joining our show. Uh, if you don't know, we do have a wonderful Facebook discussion group, the yes. Busted Wide Open Facebook discussion group. We have a lot of fun over there. Please come join us over there and talk about everything wrestling show related uh, with us, with WWE, New Japan, NXT, whatever you feel like talking about. Yeah, and also come follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Lots of live tweeting happening over there during the shows throughout the week. But Ian, it's kind of a strange time in WWE right now. That's that's one way of putting it. Yes, we're <laughs> in this we're in this weird time where normally there's a bit of a WrestleMania hangover yeah. around this time of year, but this year. It's hard to say we're having a hangover because we're getting a massive dose of the hair of the dog by because we're going to Saudi Arabia for the greatest Royal Rumble event, which in some ways is being booked as being as big as WrestleMania, if not arguably bigger. Yeah, if I'm doing my math ways. right, uh, in about three months, we'll have the greatest WrestleMania in uh, in Saudi Arabia. I, I <laughs> let's hope not. I really look. This is this is actually in a lot of ways kind of throwing off their their schedule and, and a lot of their plans. It, we'll we'll get into this. In fact, you know, before we actually dive right into the greatest greatest Royal Rumble, which I want to talk about at the top of the show, we really have to talk yeah. about the elephant or elephants in the room when it comes to that. Um, you know, we've got we've got the greatest Royal Rumble coming up. Then we have a week to build for Backlash, which is I don't know what they're going to do with that pay per view. Like that's it's going to be. You know, like almost like a, a third nipple. It's just going to be like three weeks out away, there. right? No, it's next freaking week. We oh, have it is? we have one week of build, and then it's yeah, and it's the Sunday after that. It's nuts. Oh God! So they're going to have almost no time to build that show off the back of this. They're trying to build two shows at once on their on their weekly so uh, on Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, and it's very awkward. Um, really quickly, before we get into that, I do want to uh, throw a quick shout out to a couple of other podcasts that if you listen to the show, you may know we had a, uh, a competition with, we had some WrestleMania pickums, uh, this year we were in a competition with the going in raw podcast and the take Two takedown podcast. And, uh, we were victorious in our pickums specifically you, sir, were, were victorious. Thank you very in much. Our pickums. Uh, you want it for our show and the other shows were kind enough to play a promo 
that we uh, we put together our victory promo that, that they agreed to play on their shows. They played it played it last week. Uh, it was very nice of them, and we appreciate that very much. Yes, it was a lot of fun, and we actually hope we hope to do it again. It was a uh, it was a it was a good it was a good time. If I had known we were going to have a another WrestleMania esque follow up a mere month later after WrestleMania, if even that, not even a month. We maybe we could have done it again. Yeah, if they hadn't taken only six weeks to build this thing, you yeah. know, maybe we could have planned something. <laughs> but uh, yes, you know, speaking of the greatest Royal Rumble, let's get right into it. At the top of the show, we usually do a big news segment. Instead of that, this week, I definitely want to talk about the greatest Royal Rumble because there's lots of aspects of this show that need to be discussed. Uh, specifically, you know, there's there's a lot of controversy around it. Not only the fact that. They're having it so soon after WrestleMania. In a lot of ways, it's throwing off their schedule, and a lot of their booking plans are very weird. As it's kind of a weird show, all over, you know, yeah. in in terms of kind of sideways stepping on kayfabe on some things, and and the weird builds for some of them, and then putting a lot of extremely big matches and WrestleMania rematches on this show. Um, but really, first things first, I want to I just want to go straight into the heart of the matter. Yep. And talk about the fact that there has been, I would arguably say, a somewhat muted controversy. Uh, I, would, I expected it to be a lot of a bigger deal about the fact that they are having this event in Saudi Arabia, which is, all politics aside, a oppressive regime when it comes to specifically women's rights. Yes. And this is a company that these days are talking, uh, love to pat themselves on the back repeatedly about how progressive they are with women, specifically women's wrestling. Uh, which is, I think, a little bit reductive and you know blind to their own history in saying so. But that aside, here they are going into a, a country where women have almost no rights. And, and the argument could be made that Saudi Arabia is now starting to finally come into the modern world with, with taking some steps to make things better, yeah. but at a very slow pace. And, and they are still far, far, far behind a, a lot of the modernized world in terms of their their civil rights. Um, but WWE is happily taking their money to put on a show where women are not featured at all and, and likely will have no presence whatsoever because of the laws of that country. And the fact that it's it, you can't square the two. You can't on one side say how progressive you are with, with women and on the other side take whatever the figure is. PW Insider's reporting between 100 and $200 million. They're not exactly the most legitimate news source, but and that's a really wide figure. Sure. Could be, you know, that's $100 million apart. Who knows how much it is? It's a ton of money they're getting to do this. Uh, and they're, they're taking that money and just saying, oh, yeah, that woman's right stuff. It's okay. We'll just take the money for right now and put on this show. So really, we need to discuss how exactly that squares, if it even does square, or if this is just a completely reprehensible uh, mercenary act by the WWE to go into this country, uh, take this money, and then essentially pray for the best. Well, I'll ask the, the, you know, the question, should WWE boycott Saudi Arabia for its women's rights issues? Well, they've had tours there before. It's not like this is the first time that they've done right. a show This there. isn't just a house show or what WWE Live or whatever they're calling them now. It, it's a legit. They've got championships in all kayfabe uh, on the line. Yeah, no, this is going to have outcomes. They're booking it as a legitimate in kayfabe, massive, massive show. And as we said, all, almost on the same level in terms of of match quality and prestige as yeah. WrestleMania. Yeah. Um. And there's a lot of aspects of that that are, in my opinion, you you can't really square, uh, with their stance outside of this and. The, you know, the one question is, what responsibility does WWE have as a business, business first? You know, their bottom line is to make money. 
Um, and whether that's, you know, telling the public one thing and then doing another and still making money off of it. Like if you, if you can let them get away with that and just say, it's because they're a business and you're, and you're fine with that, then, you know, so be it. Then that's, that's your decision that you make. Or if you're someone like a lot of people that are calling WWE out on, on Twitter for this sort of thing or online and say, you know, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't say that you're a, a, uh, a company that promotes women's rights and equality and then go take a ton of money to put on a no women show in a country that openly oppresses, oppresses women. Yeah. Um, you can't have it both. Now, here's the thing. I'm not a woman. Last time I checked. So I really I can't speak to this as, you know, as, as much as I would like to, because it's not as it's it's not i don't know what what exactly the perspective is on this so well, i actually let me give you some perspective real quick oh please uh so let me let's assume for the moment that you are a woman and that you are you are a female co-host of this show if one of the princes from saudi arabia offered me a hundred million dollars to go do this show in saudi or in Jeddah and uh wanted to have a live version of the podcast for example i'd go Really? I'd go. Well, screw you, Nick. Because it's a business. And I'd hand you $10 million and I'd say, sorry, uh, can't do this. Now, all progressive women's rights aside, I am all on board with that. But at the same time, I think the point that you hit on was that this is a business at the end of the day. And while there may be some... WWE is not short on its controversy over its history. It certainly is not, but you'd like to think at some point it was riding the ship. Sure, uh, and I think we got into the PG area in the 2000s and things like that, and all of this stuff kind of started to change. Even though we were still calling them divas, eventually, 10 years later, we got it's to... It's been slow movement, but just, it's been yeah, movement. We had to get rid of Vince Russo first, so it, it was one of those things. But all that said, it's a business. It's a, You can't look $100 million in the face and go, I can't go do this. They only want to see the elephants, the lions... And the monkeys, they don't really care about the trapeze artists. That's the way I kind of objectively look at this. They're asking for specific acts in the circus. They don't want to see everything. So for me, it's not. it doesn't really... Does it suck? Yes. Do we love the women wrestlers and that, side, that division in this, this world that we love? Absolutely. But when I have a customer or a client that is asking me for only XYZ and not A, B, and C, I'm going to deliver X, Y, and Z, and he's going to pay me for that. So that's where I really come down on this. I yeah, it sucks. I, I I'm not happy with WWE doing this, or frankly being a part of it, and to the scale that they have uh, have made this. I would I would have been more fine with it if it was just a house show or a live thing that they've done all over the world for how many years now. But the fact that they've built this to be this big thing and and that women aren't included in it, that's where it starts to just stick in my craw quite a bit. Yeah, so it's, it's sticking your craw is not a, it's not a no go for you. See, no, whereas yeah. whereas you know if you did in the in the in the analogy that you make about if our show were to go there and if I as if I were the woman in your in your you know yeah. hypothetical situation here, I wasn't able to go. Uh, but you'd throw me a little cash on the side for sitting on the sidelines while you made all this money. Maybe you wouldn't be able to call the show a progressive show anymore. Sure, you wouldn't because you're taking money over your principles. Um, so having it both ways doesn't square. You I get can't. That. You can't have it both ways. I get that. Even if this, you know, this the client only wants X, Y, and Z. They want the lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my! But they don't want the trapeze artists. Well, yeah, that's one thing to say. But in this case, trapeze artists are being beaten by your client on the side and that's why they don't want them there. You know what I mean? So th- it actually unfortunately is not as as simple as that. It's a bit more of a complex situation and it's, and it's frankly uh it, it is one that is it's it's almost too big of a thing to for us to really be able to judge because it, it isn't our company. It's WWE. 
It's just uh, we pay with our money, you know, and WWE makes money um, by our decisions to, to spend money on them. For example, I like to compare it to the, uh, the fabulous Moolah uh, controversy at WrestleMania where they named the, the women's r- uh, rumble after fabulous Moolah and everyone, you know, complained about it and nothing happened until people complained to Snickers to Snickers. Yeah. <laughs> to the, to their, the, the people who were paying for the it, the money, yeah. the, they went to the money, they went to the source. And here's the thing. You can't go complain to the, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. Hey, you should let some women on your show. Because what's he he thought? You don't give a crap. Yeah. No. So this is the thing. So uh, what I was going to say earlier was, you know, I'm not a woman, so I can't speak to this. But I did take a census, you know, asking, like, what are the what are the thoughts? Like, as a woman, how do you feel about this? And the, the consensus that I got was WWE needs to make reference to the fact that the women are not on this show somehow. Uh, and that if they don't, then it is a reprehensible act to go take this money and put this show on here while saying that you're a woman forward. Come take a stand for your principles while you're over there. Otherwise, uh, you can't come back and say we're all for women's rights. Now, obviously, you know, there's, I think that that is a, a very strong and principled place to stand. Yep. Um, and as I said, I can't speak to this because I'm not a woman. And if that's the, the feeling, the emotion that comes out of it, then that is completely legitimate. And we have to accept that. Um, but at the same time, I can also see your perspective where that's not feasible as a business to take that kind of political stand when you're being paid to not put on that political stand. Exactly. So it is a, it is a sticky situation. And unfortunately WWE looks like they're not taking the more principled stand of, you know, standing up to the government and making a statement. It looks like they're going to actually not have women on the show at all. Uh, Triple H actually, uh, put out a statement where he said that he understands that people are questioning it, but he has to. But you have to understand that every culture is different, and just because you don't agree with a certain aspect of it, it doesn't mean it's not a relevant culture. Which I'll stop and say that's a bullshit statement Agreed. right there, completely from the bottom up. Uh, he says you can't dictate to a country or a religion about how they handle things. But having said that, WWE is at the forefront of a woman's evolution in the world, and what you can't do is affect change anywhere by staying away from it. While women are not competing at the event, we have had discussions about that and hope that in the next few years, they will be. Do we accept this as a legitimate excuse and or like, oh, don't worry, we'll fix it in the future. Like we're not doing it now, but at some point we hope to actually fix this and, and make things better over there. I'd be able to accept it if the, the terms were dictated similar to how they were last year in the Abu Dhabi event where they just had to be covered, but they allowed women to wrestle. I think there's a middle ground there somewhere in these older world type of regimes where you can get past some of those oppressive kind of things to enjoy the entertainment. But this just a hard line. No, I'm, I have to believe that they're just coming down on the business side of it saying we can't turn down $200 million or whatever number that is, right? So I I, I sympathize to an extent but it, uh, that they're not going to walk away from it as a business. But I agree with you. It's kind of a – it's a very PR, you know, pre-programmed kind of communication thing to send out uh, on Triple H there. I don't buy that for a second. No, ex- thank you. And I am right there with you. I think that is that is completely just corporate doublespeak. Uh, don't worry. We'll fix it later. Uh, is is absolute garbage fix it now or don't do it at all don't don't give us this plan because you know in two or three years or five years or ten years you know what i mean they can still say oh we're working on it we're working on it 
you need to deliver on that yeah. at some point. Otherwise, it's going to ring hollow for all time. Well, I know we have a lot of female listeners out there. We would love for you ladies to weigh in. What are your thoughts on this uh, as far as women not being involved in the greatest Royal Rumble? Is this something that bothers you as a woman in a place like that? Or is it one of those things that you kind of just don't really, it's, you don't really concern yourself? It's a with? non-issue. Yeah. yeah. I That's have, what I'm really curious about. I have about. a feeling it's a very strong issue and probably stronger than for you and me because yeah. we're not women and we, we don't you know really connect to that kind of oppression and and lack of human rights well that's what i want to hear that's what i want to hear from them because it's we i don't want to speak for them i don't want exactly. to I, don't, I want them to speak out about this because frankly that's where all of the the power of women have come from in the last you know in recent years is them standing up and speaking and taking up. it and, and not taking it but just well, owning it and standing up and, and, and asking just, very firmly for yes, it. Yes. Yes. Uh, no. And this, and this is the thing is I, I, I can say without reservation that what WWE is doing here is making me very uncomfortable. I agree with that. But that being said, that's as a man, as a woman, I can only imagine it would make me beyond uncomfortable to the point of being furious. So I would definitely like to hear what, what women have to say about this. If you're one of our listeners and you are a woman, please come speak up on the Facebook program, uh, the Facebook discussion group. I want to quickly point out, by the way, that we were talking about going in Raw a second ago. Yeah. They're doing a, a, a Greatest Royal Rumble live cast, and they're donating half of their donations from that live cast to a woman's charity. So, oh, fantastic. Yeah, I, I, and we're not terribly, well done, Stephen Larson. We're not, we're not uh, an overly monetized show at this point, so unfortunately we will not be right. able to, <laughs> to do the same. Uh, but uh, we definitely want to take this segment to kind of call out that uh, while we will be covering the Greatest Royal Rumble, we do it with some serious moral reservations. Yep. Um, so let's talk about the matches. Stepping, yeah, stepping off of the kind of the hot the hot plate issue here. Let's let's talk about uh, just the Greatest Royal Rumble as a show, specifically the fact that in some ways that Saudi oil money is buying a much more. Uh, big show than WrestleMania was this year. We're getting some of these matches have, have stipulations and have, have uh, like one's a ladder match. We get a ladder match. Now we have a cage match cage match for the top a, championship, a casket, <laughs> a casket match. What? You know what I mean? So like we're getting in a lot of ways, they're getting kind of more show than WrestleMania was, which, which not only does it kind of double down on the hot plate issue that we just talked about and make that even more kind of well, really guys. Yeah. But uh, in another way, it's, it's also, I wonder if it's setting, a dangerous precedent. Pay us enough money and you get a better show than what we give people in America. Like that's mm. that's a little questionable, isn't it? Yeah, it makes me kind of go, well, it gives them the ability to hot shot, make swerve you even more, make things not predictable, all of that stuff if they're just going to regurgitate it a week later, two weeks later, right? I mean, they have kind of been doing that in the past where they'll have rematches of their pay-per-view shows on Raw or SmackDown Live the day after their, their pay-per-view. That's been kind of strange bookings in that sense. Money in the before. bank last year. Yeah. Well, that was because of a botched finish. <laughs> <where> they, <laughs> another another male-female issues right there where they had a, a guy pull the briefcase on the first Women's Money in the Bank match. Yeah. That's another, another thing to talk about entirely. Um, but it does feel like a bit of a bait and switch. You know what I mean? Like where, where you say, Hey, everyone watch wrestle, watch WrestleMania. We had these great matches. We had the dream match between AJ Styles and Nakamura. Oh wait, we have an even better built match between the two for the same exact thing in Jetta. Hey, watch Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. Oh, we have another one only it's in a cage. You know, it does feel like we're getting double tapped on a lot of these matches and it was built so quickly. You kind of feel like they pulled some of the plug on WrestleMania in order to make this a bigger deal. And that's another issue that that people are starting to have with the greatest Royal Rumble is is really you kind of you you pitched us WrestleMania. I mean, now granted, 
it's not as big of a deal because it's not like they're getting you to buy two different pay-per-views. It's not right. like you just spent 70 bucks buying WrestleMania on pay-per-view and now you're having to go spend another 70 bucks to watch the Greatest Royal Rumble. We're getting it all for free on the network. So in that sense, okay, fine. But at the same time, in terms of, of their storyline and, and, and their business model, it is a little questionable. And, and I've got to say, you know, I, I wonder how this is going to have repercussions going forward, not just in terms of storyline, but in terms of how they handle their company. Yeah. Well, I'm, I know I'm not going to be able to watch it live tomorrow. Uh, at, whenever at 9 a.m. At 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, most people, regardless of what time zone you're in, are probably going to be at work here in the U.S., so we won't be watching it till the weekend sometime. I'll, I'll be asleep from work. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my midnight, <laughs> 9 a.m. Come on. Well, hey, the big the big question for me is that it, I hope does this set a precedent? Does this continue as we get more and more, especially in the big four shows, and especially if we get into cross brand conversations? Does this now perpetuate that even further to have these WWE live style events carry kayfabe and carry championship? I mean, now may, do they start broadcasting from Madison Square Garden all of a sudden next year? I mean, I, I don't would, know. I would love to see more house shows in the network. There's a lot of things yeah. they could do. They could even break the whole, you know, big four style uh, that they have right now with all their pay-per-views. They could redo their entire pay-per-view model if they wanted to. Um, you know, one thing that they could do that actually might be a, a uh, an interesting step in the right direction is here we have an all-male show in Saudi Arabia. What if they went somewhere else and had an all-women's show? Mm. You know what I mean? Go, yeah. to, go to London and have an all-women's show, a four-hour all-women's show. That'd be, you know, in, in my opinion, I don't think that would right the wrong. Over two belts? You well, know? no, make it make a tag titles, get them, I don't know, have a tournament or something. You Where's know what I mean? Tag? <clears throat> it's well, coming. It's coming. But, uh, you know, I think that there's there's a lot that could that could happen that could be positive. I'd like to keep a positive outlook on it, um, even though right now there's I definitely kind of have a, a weird, a weird feeling in my stomach about the whole thing. It's the last thing I'll say about this is that the they're doing tons of video packages and the commentary are putting over what a beautiful place Jetta is and all of these things when actually I don't want to get into the politics of it again. But I mean, it's it's. The oppressive nature of that stuff, is it beautiful in pictures? Sure. Do they have a ton of money to make it beautiful? Sure. Yeah. But the the nature of day-to-day life there, if you're a woman especially, yeah. can be completely miserable. There are things that we would consider petty crimes here in the U.S. that you can actually be executed for. with By stoning or beheading. Right. You know, you know and, and again, we're not going to get into you know our, our thoughts on, on cultural differences. There's definitely an argument for an you know, extensive a very rich cultural history in that part of the world, but there is no way around the fact that I, I personally, and I don't really like projecting my personal opinions on the show too much when it comes to this sort of stuff, but I, I can't in any way um, let it go that the, you know, the, the human's rights issues in that place. And it's, you know, this is, this is a wrestling show. This is not a political show. <laughs> yes. So we're going to stop that right now. Too late. We're going to stop that right now. And we're going to stop our conversation about the Greatest Royal Rumble because we will have a, a recap show of that coming up in the next few days after it's done. Uh, but for right now, we have to talk about how we're going to get there. And to do that, we have to head over and talk about Monday Night Raw. Lee, and I got to say, Paul Heyman's back. Uh, I didn't see this. I haven't seen this side of him in a while. I haven't seen this side of him since the build to WrestleMania. Oh, wait, <laughs> this is the same side of him I've seen all year, Nick. What did you see that was new? It's just more vitriolic and just more kind of turned on the crowd in a way that didn't feel like he was putting on a performance. It felt like I felt the jabs. I could feel how just his glares and his that sneer that he has, just it felt stronger in this one. Now, 
That said, it basically was the same Paul Heyman formula promo that we've been seeing for at least the last year. But uh, since the Goldberg stuff from last year, right? So now it's, I don't know, it just felt like it was, it had gotten to a point where it was repeating itself and mundane and boring, but I felt more energy out of it this week. Brock Lesnar laughing and looking around at the crowd. Getting goosebumps. Yeah, that was cool. You can't deny. That was pretty cool. Well done, Kevin Dunn. (laughs) Camera comes in on his arm, and you see that he points it in. He goes, I got goosebumps from that. He legit had goosebumps. Yeah. So that said, uh, yes. Is it the same exact build? Sure. I don't know, but I, I wish I'd heard it with your ears because to me, this was like someone singing. It's a small world after all. And then just singing it that much louder is it didn't help. <laughs> it just made it that much more grating and abrasive. That's and I was, I was not a fan of this, this segment at all, uh, you know, except, except for one or two moments. And of course, Paul is an incredible orator. So, right. you know, all, I can't ever fault him for his oratory skills. The fact is he's at this point becoming a very loudly playing broken record. Yep. And to me, the takeaways from the segment were, were that were that it's you know Paul is at this point officially a broken record. Uh, one, two. There was a weird segment where we had a, like five people in the crowd chanting Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns, and it. I mean, whether or not it's planted is the subject of conspiracy theories. You know, it's WWE. It's fully within their ability to have planted a Roman Reigns section to try and get the audience involved and have it just not work. Yeah. Um, and then cut very blatantly. Uh, to to that section where all these people are chanting, like these five people are chanting Roman Reigns, and have Paul acknowledge them. Yeah. Um. Again, <laughs> whether or not it was planted, it sure as hell felt planted, and it felt really forced and awkward, and it didn't help the build any. They got free hot dogs and beer for the night. Oh, you know? uh, well, good for them. Yeah, I'm so. Pr- <laughs> uh, it would take a lot more than that for me to. to it would take about a hundred million dollars for me to nice. put, put, to put aside my my moral uh, high ground and actually chant for Roman Reigns. No. In addition, speaking of Roman Reigns he did come out at the end of the segment and very simply say I'm going to beat you next time right this whole thing was Paul saying you know Roman's a loser he can't he can't do it and Roman coming out saying well I'm going to change your mind this was a this to me this was terrible the, the Roman didn't look strong he looked very weak yep. there was no physicality he looked Continued like a, to look looked weak. like a beaten man he's they've, there's no gas left in this. this this definitely should have been done at Wrestlemania they just got paid a ton of money to have it continue longer. Brock Lesnar uh, had an extension on his contract, which obviously was in place before WrestleMania because they knew they would want him for a few more dates. Really, the question now comes down to how many more dates do they want him? Do they want him to drop the belt in Jeddah? Do they want him to hold it to break Punk's record um, for for major title reigns? Obviously, it's a different title. Yep. But uh, the question is, is what is now their plan with Brock Lesnar? Because that's really going to determine where this goes forward. If they do drop the title in Jeddah, it's going to feel a bit underwhelming at this point with this feud uh because i'll be okay with it though i'll be okay with it just because i'm so sick and tired of it and ready for it to be done we can move on we can move (laughs) on it will be a relief as much as it would have been at wrestlemania at this point it's at this point it's uh, it's beyond a relief this is that silent but deadly fart that somebody dropped in a room that just you can't just stop smelling and uh, you can almost taste it i'm tired of it it stinks i don't want it anymore i don't want to hear it i don't want to smell it whatever I don't care if it's Roman Reigns. We've said this a number of times. We've got to rip this Band-Aid off and get past this, or this is just going to continue endlessly. Well, with that lovely metaphor in our rear view, we've got to talk about another segment that happened on the show. That was uh, Kevin and Sami Zayn. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn had their first ever Kevin and Sami show on Raw TV. Uh, they came out, sat behind a desk, and acted like a couple of, uh, well, kind of like us, just sitting there with a couple yeah. of microphones and and just rattling off uh, so, like jabs at the management and the fact that they were on the show, and ha-ha, Stephanie brought us on the show, and Kurt can't do anything about it. And sure enough, they brought Kurt Angle out, 
and uh, proceeded to make fun of him, referencing the fact that he forgot the fact that Jason Jordan was his son, which is a nice job. This was entertaining <laughs> as hell. Obviously, these guys can can kill it on the mic. It was a very entertaining segment. I loved the charisma between them and and Kurt Angle. I thought it was a good sign of things to come. They brought out a good side of Kurt, yep. you know, who can be a little bit. Uh, he he can hit or miss these days with his with his stuff out there. Well, but him leaned in and leaned in on his knee and looking at him with those kind of scary eyes. Borderline going back to kind of some ruthless aggression stuff. It, I was, it, I loved the way that he just played it cool in an fu kind of way and just said, "Oh yeah, well, you can make fun of me all you want, but I still run this show. I still run this show. And by the way, you're you're going to have a match tonight, and it's going to be against Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley. <laughs> and I just went, "Of course it is. The two scariest guys yes, on Raw. Of course Raw. it is. So, but this, again, the thing I liked about the segment was, uh, like you said, the intense Kurt Angle was was brought out by this segment, and you got the the audience definitely got riled up against Kevin and Sammy. There, I, I don't know if I I, I I miss Kevin Owens the killer. I yeah. really do. And uh, this kind of jokey Kevin Owens is not mm, not entirely in love with it, just because it definitely weakens his his character. But I also love the work that he's doing. I, I can't fault it at all. Sami Zayn is definitely is on the next level than what he's ever been on the main roster in terms of not only TV time but charisma. Uh, so it's from that aspect, I can't, I can't fault it. And of course, both of them can still wrestle a damn good match. The match against Strowman and Lashley was exactly what you'd expect, which is Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn trying to not get killed for 10 minutes and Lashley and Strowman doing their best to murder them, which they eventually did. They all four accomplished that extremely well. Yep. Uh, so. <laughs> so you know what at, at this point and this is going to be the running theme for this week is that we can't really get anything accomplished we can't start any feuds we can't do anything because we've got uh greatest royal rumble and then backlash boom boom right after the other so we can't really do anything solid so we have to have these little one-off segments that don't lead to anything i don't think we're going to see an ongoing feud with lashley and Strowman no. and kevin owens and Sami Zayn. i think this is a one-off showcase match just to show that yeah we have some monsters here you know what i mean and and kevin owens and Sami Zayn are hated by the management boom that's it that was the point of this whole segment I can't really see any further purpose beyond it. No. Hey, next up, we had uh, Titus Worldwide come out and Drew McIntyre again with Dolph Ziggler, which the entrance was weird. It was and Drew, this, I got weird shades of uh, Ziggler and Nakamura last year. Well, it's all because, over again. It's because Ziggler is still in this just energy killing angle. Like his his whole gimmick right now is just about killing energy and you had drew mcintyre come out with this you know his badass music and his badass look and stand there looking badass and then you had the record scratch that ziggler that starts off ziggler's new weird theme thing everything grinds to a halt kills the energy and then dolph walks out in silence and then all of a sudden i'm here to show the world i'm here his theme starts it absolutely killed the energy for drew mcintyre yep uh and I hope that's not what they do going forward because that it just it doesn't feel good. And I know that, you know, so this was basically essentially a squash match. They went over Apollo Crews and and and, and Titus O'Neil here. Um and then they cut a promo afterwards, which was basically both of them saying a different aspect of what Dolph Ziggler's character has been for the last six months or so, which is I'm really fed up. Uh Drew McIntyre specifically went after the lazy people in the in the in the locker room. Uh, saying you got to work for it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's still this kind of when I'm bitter uh, gimmick, which is fine. And I think actually Drew is is bringing a better 
uh, dynamic to it than just Ziggler alone, who comes off as being just bitchy. Yeah. Uh, Drew makes it seem a little bit. Uh, he's definitely got a lot more intensity on it. Oh yeah, um, that's a good word. He is. I would he's, say. I would say. I'm gonna. I'm gonna kick your ass. There's just. There's just vitriol. Yes. With with McIntyre, where there's just there's just bitchiness, whininess coming out of Ziggler. So I think McIntyre is dragging Ziggler's gimmick to a better place, but I think that Ziggler's gimmick is dragging Drew way the hell down here, and I'm really disappointed. I mean, if Drew had come in solo with this with this gimmick, he would have been terrifying. You'd have genuinely been like, "This guy's going to kick everyone's Bag ass." Pipes and fire and just Drew and I'm, McIntyre. I'm, and I'm here. Yes. To, I'm here to kick all your lazy asses yes. and show you what it, what real work ethic is about. Dude, yeah. I'm in. Heel Drew, I'm there. But with Ziggler, like a lot of people are excited about their pairing. And I'm like, this doesn't, this does good things for Ziggler, but it's not going to save his descent. And it's, this is not good for McIntyre. So, and especially if they're, you know, I, I don't think this Titus Worldwide feud is going to go anywhere. Oh, of course not. But I don't know what else they're going to do in the tag division. They're they're there to be murdered uh, as jobbers at this point, unfortunately. I mean, Paulo Cruz is a specimen of human physique. But I don't know why he is just being relegated to, and he's great. Well, because there's only so much room room on the roster, uh, top to bottom. This is I can't remember a time the roster has been more stacked. Yeah. I mean, just with guys who I really genuinely respect as workers and talents. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of this weird. I can't remember a time when we had both. It's almost like a hybrid of of the two kinds of shows we've had over the last twenty years. I mean, if you look at the Attitude Era, it was all big dudes and you know, basically in that heavy with top of the card kind of thing. And then we got into the late 2000s and it was like Ziggler and Punk and Cena who wasn't that big. But I mean, it's just there were little kind of more lanky guys, right? Well, we're getting now to- we've gotten into the Flyers, the yeah. Seth Rollinses and the Finn Balors. And we've also got the Braun Strowmans and the Bobby Lashley. So. I, w- I would argue there is there's a lot of uh, character work from the top of the bottom of the card now that we're getting that we haven't seen in a lot of years because they've oh, yeah. been so so focused on physique. That we're getting a lot. A lot of people are coming up now, knowing you have to have a lot more character and 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 having that as a basis. Uh, I think the Attitude Era had a lot of characters top to bottom, but yep. it was it was a lot more gimmicky, a lot more gimmick totally. forward. Um, speaking of people who are now newly fresh on the card, Chad Gable made his singles debut. We have it confirmed that he will be a singles wrestler on Raw, uh, and that he's now a face. He came over as a face. Uh, we had. Uh, Shelton Benjamin staying over on SmackDown as a heel. Gable's on Raw. Now he's a face. And the first thing he did was get into a backstage confrontation with Jinder Mahal, who, by the way, was really freaking funny. Didn't see this coming at all. He was. This was a fun little backstage segment. It was. Is, is, is your name Nicholas? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, congratulations on your WrestleMania tag title victory. That was, that was, I mean, I don't think Jinder wrote that line. Right. But I thought it was a funny line. Yeah. And I thought he'd, he's gotten so much more loose. Like, I'm actually really happy with where he has been going, getting away from the evil foreigner heel thing, uh, going more towards this, a bit of like a looser guy who can go in there and just look strong. Fine. That's his, that's his wheelhouse. Let him do that. I think there's a reason for this setting up right here. And I'll get into that more later. uh, When we, when we get into more of the greatest Royal rumble rundown of that card, uh, let's head over and talk about the women's division. Before uh, we do that, I really want to point out yeah. quickly that, that Gable did sneak out a win over gender. Yes. A perfect, like a great baby face win. Uh, barely pulled it off. Getting beat down by the bad guy the entire time. I wonder, I really hope this is leading for a Gable push because it, he could very easily, I mean, they made reference to on the show, the fact that he's 5'8". They yep. really easily could sweep him under the, under the rug. I don't think he's going to have a lot of a time for a push. They probably are not going to give him too long to get over. And if he doesn't get over, he's gone. 
But uh, fingers crossed, man, because I think he's got all the tools. I, I over, think he's one of the most underrated guys on on WWE today. Could not agree more. Uh, but that's that's another reason why now I'm like, oh, cr- I'm crossing my fingers. It's time for that Gable push. Let's hope that it pays off. Yep. Well, back to the women's division. Riot Squad uh, is coming out. I got to admit, they're starting to look pretty good, man. They're coming together. They're giving them the, the, I mean, this is absolution. They're basically booking, they're now writing them and letting them be presented in a very absolution style fashion, which is what we suspected last week when they brought yeah. them over, which is that, okay, we're not going to make them seem as lighthearted. No, now it's serious. We're going to, and they're coming across more serious in backstage segments. Uh, Sarah Logan still cannot speak on the mic. Do not give her a microphone. Um, she, you can't take she her seriously. Sound like she's from from Kentucky. Oh, well, she the accent comes and goes, and yeah. even if she doesn't have the accent, it just doesn't. She doesn't come across as in any way intimidating, other than her physicality. Yeah. Uh, let her be physical. Let her be the the bruiser. Let Ruby Riot talk. Um, but I definitely like the fact they're they're dialing up the intimidation factor on the Riot Squad. Uh, in addition to backstage segments in women division, Alexa Bliss had an absolutely solid gold segment where she did a, a supposed public service announcement about bullies. And she talked about how she was she was complicit in people's bullying because she didn't stop them when she had the chance. Like this one time that she was hanging out with her former best friend, Nia Jackson. She tried to give her, her food to a homeless woman and Nia, Nia stole the, ho- the homeless woman's food and then started gobbling it down in front of her. And all Alexa could, could hear was the sound of the homeless lady crying and the, the chewing from Nia Jax. Obviously, this is this is some subtle fat shaming, and it was freaking hilarious. I'm yeah. sorry, like it's not PC to say, but screw it, I don't care. It was funny, and it was a good bit because it walked that line. Uh, it made her out to be an asshole, and it was it was just so well performed by Alexa. How she holds that resting bitch face constantly with those big puppy dog eyes, but just it's, looking up it's at the, the camera. It's the fact that she can change it to like this. I'm so sad. Yeah. I, I look at, look at how genuinely concerned I am. She puts it on so well. She's such a good performer in that sense. And it really does make you absolutely loathe her. So, so much. And, and Naya does such a good job of in turn, just brushing it off and just, you know, that oh, Alexa, I'll get her when I get my chance. But don't, <laughs> you know, she just, just like, I can't stand her. I'm not even going to think about her. It's it's a good dynamic. I have a feeling that 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 that's not done yet. That will continue to be a feud. I would like that because it seems like there's a better dynamic now that Nia is the champ and Alexa is kind of doing all of these little jabs at her from a from a, a beneath place. You know, like, like eventually that, see she snaps and comes after Alexa and. You know, we, we get the Velociraptor Well, again. and it could be something where, yeah, where Naya makes a mistake, where Alexa finally gets to her, and then Naya makes a mistake uh, emotionally and uh, gets stripped of her title or loses matches or whatever it is because Alexa's getting to her. So I think it's an interesting dynamic that should be fun to work on. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I got to say, the rest of the women's division, and hopefully, again, this will change after the Greatest Royal Rumble because they've got nothing to do right now. We had a five-on-five tag match on Raw. Let's get them all on TV. Let's get them all on TV and ignore any program that we currently have going with them. We had like a a half a second glimpse of what is this terrible Sasha Bailey feud, which is just a non-starter. It keeps stop starting. They gave each other some weird looks backstage, and then they go have a match, and there's no heat between them whatsoever, which is just bizarre. And the match led to nothing except for Natalia getting beaten up by Mickey James and Ronda Rousey coming down for the save and murdering Mickey James, which is if that's what you want to do with Ronda Rousey is have her be an enforcer, come out, kill people and leave. 
okay, I can get behind Is that. Is that why you're paying her all those millions? For a short period of time, you better go somewhere with it. <laughs> yeah. But in, in, this, in this right now, sure, I'm not mad at it. Uh, other than that uh, Olympic judo takedown uh, that she put on Mickey James, which was beautiful, by the way, um, I'm still kind of on the fence. I'm still waiting for that Rousey moment to happen where she has a fully booked match where she either wins or loses. It's been since February now. It, we're now going into May, almost May at this point, and we've still yet to see her have a straight-up, clean, one-on-one match four months later. I'm still waiting. I think you're going to be waiting for a while because I think that they did rush her coming in here, and they've got to be training her backstage for said match. Uh, but Which in the is meantime, why Natty has appeared on Monday Night Raw, in my absolutely, opinion. Absolutely. Natty is there to make sure that she's training Ronda day in and day out and, and get her prepared for what ultimately is something that people prepare years for. Yes. Um, and I think that from what I've seen from Ronda so far, I, I honestly think she'll be fine. It's going to be just how she, if she can uh, elevate her game, I think it's going to be a long-term project. Again, I, I referenced Mark Henry when they first brought him in. That's fair. That's he a good was point. a long-term project. And he started off being able to do certain things but as his list of abilities grew, he became a better performer. But it was a matter of years. You know what I mean? I don't think Ronda is an overnight thing. Hopefully, she's in it for the long run, and you can really get a good performer out of her. But I don't think there's something that you need to. You should be like licking your chops for next week, getting that match out of her. And if that match isn't perfect, I don't think you should then write off the Ronda Rousey experiment. I think she's going to be a work in progress. But the pieces are there. I think that she has proved without a doubt with her match at WrestleMania and with a lot of the physicality that she's had between now and then and her, her facial expressions, she's a work in progress, but there are some really good pieces there that you can work with. And I think that she's definitely an experiment that's, that has every likelihood of turning out to be a, a success. Uh, overall, what's your take on the women's division as it stands currently? Uh, I mean, with all of this stuff that we just went over with Alexa and Nia doing the bullying angle, the Ronda coming in to be the quick save, Sasha Bailey going nowhere. Is it, it since the shakeup, has anything changed? Really? I think the whole division is kind of like Ronda Rousey. You have a bunch of good pieces. You just have to put them together right. Yeah, because that's a good way. You know what I mean? Right now, eh, it's it's we're still in tatters after WrestleMania. You got to show me that you can now put these things together into cohesive storylines and and then going forward, make interesting things out of them because right now you have the pieces. It's just a matter of making them work. Well, the Miz-Taraj is running around looking for a little bit of love after their their longtime leader, the Miz, uh, was transferred to SmackDown Live. Now they, they feel kind of like they don't have a home. They need somewhere to be. They need love. This whole thing was another bit that I think was put together to just kill time between now <laughs> and Jeddah and Greatest Royal Rumble. We had the Miz-Taraj approach both Seth Rollins and Finn Balor looking to join them, become like a... A, a follower of Rollins and then a, a, you know, one of the member, new members of the Balor Club now that Gallows and Anderson are gone. Uh, they got firmly rejected and then ended up having a tag match, Miz Taraj against Finn and Seth. I'm not mad at the concept in theory, but the problem here was not that we had a squash match where the Miz Taraj gets murdered by Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. The problem here was is that Finn Balor and Seth Rollins have a match in Jeddah for the IC Championship. These two had a lot of heat against each other coming into WrestleMania because of the IC title. Seth is still the champ. Why is Finn all of a sudden totally cool with him? Why do the two of them have no heat whatsoever? Why is Finn relentlessly, goofily smiling and having no presence whatsoever beyond that on TV? These are my questions about this whole segment. I, I need a minute, if, you, if you'd humor me. Take it away. Um, there was... There, for the longest time, all of you listeners and you, Ian, have known that I have been down on Finn Balor. I constantly 
uh, egg you on about him going to the cruiserweight division. And while all of that was legitimate, I still had. Finn Balor was an NXT champion. The Demon just took things over. It changed a lot of things that really brought him to the light. And, and over the last couple of years, uh, after his injury, I should say, he has not really found that place or that spark again. But I still had that glimmer of hope. I still had that. There's that one thing that I know Finn Balor is capable of doing. And I am going to tell everybody today, after this week on Raw, I'm done. I'm over Finn Balor. I'm, I'm over it. The hope is gone. They absolutely buried him this week. It was almost the nail in the coffin. Uh, because the fact that you cannot even have a week, a day, no, a week before he's going to be in this match, in a ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship, you're going to pair him with the very guy that he's going to try and beat for that title and then put Seth over in the match. I'm... I'm done. I'm done with Finn Balor, and I think they are too. So and the best thing they could do is move him to the cruiserweight division, where they they need a little bit of resurgence. They're on the up and up over there right now, and he could really do some good stuff over there. Get out of here with that cruiserweight I'm, crap. I'm just telling you, man. I it, it, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm I've, just saying. I'm always going to say that that argument completely delegitimizes so many other arguments because you want Finn Balor in the cruiserweight division. At least over there, he would be relevant. I, He's uh, okay. not relevant over now here. Now that we've had your reactionary minute aside, th- th- here's the thing. This is, I don't think he's completely buried this week. I definitely agree that I don't like the direction he's going in at all. I think that they're doing they're doing nothing with him. Last week, we we're, we called out our winners and losers from the Superstar Shake-Up. I, I said Finn was the biggest loser because he's going to be adrift on Raw. And dear God, this week proved me right. Yep. He's completely adrift. The best thing they could do, and I know this is what every wrestling fan's easy out is every time they're told, well, what would you do with him? The easy out, turn him heel. Give him something to do. You need a couple more good heels on Raw. You got, I mean, right now it's the, the it's kind of balanced heels and faces on Raw. Turn someone face, turn him heel, whatever. Get make him interesting. Goofy, rainbow, smiley Finn is not interesting. Nope. It's here's a funny question. If Finn goes to Jeddah, does he wear rainbow colors? Oh boy. <laughs> I think not. Uh but it, this, what are you going to do with Finn? What, he's he's completely cardboard at this point. There's nothing to him. You need to get... And, and WWE is a history. We've said this all the time. They have a history of making bland baby faces. He is the definition right now of a bland baby face. Even Bobby Bland Rude is more interesting than Finn Balor at this point. And that's sad. He's lo- Finn has lost his mystique. And they, they got to get that back. I think he's absolutely a project that could be reclaimed very easily. This is not Bray Wyatt after the maggot match at WrestleMania. This is Bray Wyatt eh, just after the John Cena feud, yeah. WrestleMania 30. Okay. We got a long way to go before I'm going to willing to give up on the Finn Balor uh, project, but I'm done. So I'm not, I'm, yeah. I'm out. Okay. Well, <laughs> when he, when he comes back, Nick, I want to, I want to remember this I moment. I will eat that crow. Speaking of Bobby Roode, he did have a match this week. Although if you watch Tula, you didn't see it. Uh, Elias came out before he even going to start a song. Bobby Roode interrupted him. They had a quick match. Uh, Elias got the quick roll up, beat Bobby Roode. Uh, this is, is this good for Elias? Bad for Roode? I don't think it's either. It's I think just, it's just is. like it's it's buying it's filling empty space on a on a card with something that is not going to have long term consequences. Well, and and if if it did, let's say this becomes a feud. Is that a feud you want to see? Not really. No, me neither. Uh, like I like both performers a lot, but I have no interest in them feuding. Yeah. 
I don't I don't understand what uh, what they would bring to the table against each other. You talked about flipping Finn heel. Rude is the one I would flip heel. Oh yeah. Uh, he he. I want him being a dick in a suit coming out and just taunting you want, everybody. You want NXT Bobby? I want Rude NXT back. Bobby Rude back. Yeah, That's why they called him up. That's why he was amazing. <laughs> the champ for almost a year. Let's so. be clear. I want a lot of NXT things back. <laughs> okay. Yes. There's a lot of. <laughs> performers i want their nxt selves back but what can you do you know that's 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 the nature of the watering down of the main roster where you're trying to get over to a much bigger crowd and and they have different things they're looking for uh, out of performers on the main roster but uh another another new speaking of bray wyatt uh the deleter of worlds which is what they're now calling the tag team of matt hardy and bray wyatt oh boy uh defeated the ascension who have now continued their jobbing career on monday night raw yeah uh at least welcome back to tv boys getting tv time over here (laughs) uh but it was interesting bray wyatt was cutting a little promo before this match where he said that the, the two of them would cast a shadow uh, over the world that uh, no good could come out of. So I'm wondering if if Bray is doing a very subtle heel turn on Matt Hardy here, and and if if I like that concept. Uh, Isn't that what we just got rid of? I, you know, yeah, I thought so. But the fact that there's like they didn't really change a lot about Bray, except that he now kind of speaks in Matt Hardyisms. Uh, they allegedly exercised Sister Abigail in the Lake of Reincarnation. I, yeah. Well, for whatever that means, you know, exactly. It, we start getting into <laughs> like, just go with it. <laughs> comic, we start getting into comic book logic. Anything can happen here, but you know, we'll see. I'm still not, I'm, I'm still not mad at the whole Wyatt Hardy team up. It's the most interested I've been in Bray Wyatt in a long time. So and it, frankly, it allowed Jeff Hardy to go be a successful wrestler, singles competitor. So well, uh, yeah. I, that's, that's my says the man who was calling for brother Nero for months. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But this is how it's going to be. This is how it's going to be. I like what they did with it. Uh, and other like last quick thing, Baron Corbin, uh, killed no way Jose before they were supposed to have a match. And he just basically took him out in his conga line before the match. And, Said you're not on, you're not ready yet for Monday Night Raw. Essentially, uh, I agree with him. Well, I, <laughs> it's more that they're just they're not doing what they did in NXT, which is really show off that No Way Jose is a killer. He's a party man that gets in the ring. They're just doing. They're basically just doing Adam Rose 2.0 with him, which is just. I'm sorry, that's marked for death. Yep. And the fact that Corbin is in this kind of you know did like something basically nothing with him this week and was essentially so far down the card does not speak well for what they have in mind for Corbin. Uh, they're going to have to really do some some repair on Corbin as well. Yeah. So, yeah, that's Monday Night Raw. That's really all there was to it. Again, we're in this weird zone this week right now where we're we don't we can't really build for backlash because we have to get through Greatest Royal Rumble first. We can't really start any feuds because we've got to get through Royal Rumble. This is it's a weird time. But that being said, it didn't stop. It's a bit of bizarro land. It it kind of, in my opinion, hamstrung this raw this week. Uh, But I thought that SmackDown was a lot better. But in order to talk about that, we do need to go talk about SmackDown Live. Well, Ian, for this episode of SmackDown Live, let's start at the end about the thing that was really good, which was the, the uh, what do you call it, main event tonight. The main event. Uh, where we set it up throughout the show. We ended up with Nakamura and Rusev Day facing off against AJ Styles and the Good Brothers. Yeah, the Good Brothers who are now, you know, they've been shuffled over to uh, step- stepfather number two. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the couple of orphans. Yeah. Uh, and I, I felt like it felt like a bigger deal that they were reuniting with AJ than when they reunited with Finn. I yes. You know what I mean? Like it was there was more mystique somehow with with the Finn re, reuniting yep. uh, because we never really saw that happening and they turned face to do it. But with AJ, it felt like, yeah, the boys are back together. Like it really did seem to energize the crowd more. 
Uh, and this three-on-three tag match was a lot of fun, as you would expect. Uh, that being said, the real the real meat of it happened after the finish. Uh, uh, let's see, Luke Gallows got out of position and took a uh, Kinshasa to the back of the head, which I got to say, Nakamura, heel Nakamura, is making it more and more feel like the Bomaye yes. than ever before. Uh, it looks more and more vicious. I love it. Uh, get one, two, three, and then we had some business after the match, and that was actually some of my favorite WWE. Nakamura's obsessions with AJ's AJ's. Dude, I, I gotta say, so you know, AJ comes in to to defend Gallows now that he's down, tackles Nakamura, they get into a scuffle. As AJ's throwing some fast strikes, Nakamura takes an opening and gives him the peen shasa once again. <laughs> that insane FU uppercut to his junk from behind that just my God. I mean, you could say that he's just doing it too much, but every time I'm entertained. If I hear Corey Graves next week yell, Pinchasa, I will lose my mind. <laughs> uh, we will know for sure indefinitely or definitively oh, that my they listen. God. Or that they just go on Reddit. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> like this is, this is, I am having too much fun with this. I, like I said last week, I've never been one for, you know, the, the nutshot comedy stuff, but he's going to that place. He's, God, he's, it's so entertaining. And Nakamura's physicality and his, his just heel mannerisms yeah. are, God, they're money. I am so incredibly entertained by heel Nakamura. I'm so glad that they made this call to turn him heel. And what he did after this was was fantastic as well with him going for, you know, AJ is crumpled in the corner. He goes for the Kinshasa and uh, Carl Anderson jumps in the way and takes the Kinshasa for AJ Styles. He sacrifices for his brother. And not only that, but then Nakamura takes a moment to consider this. And then lines Anderson up again and just while he's glaring at AJ, essentially kills AJ's friend in front of him. Like just Kinshasa's Carl Anderson again as AJ's reaching out. No, stop. Don't do it. Black. And then he just gets on the ground and just stares in the face like you couldn't save him. You didn't help him. You didn't help him. Oh, and then he man. slinks away. This, my God. My God. I, you know, I, everyone Are you was sure you didn't like that debut with Dolph Ziggler last year. Or, or Nick, you sure you prefer this? Nick, don't. <laughs> I'm having a moment, okay. man. Don't don't throw a wet rag on my moment here. Stop it. Uh, I, this is the thing. A lot of people are really down on their match at WrestleMania. It needed this. It needed this. It needed this level of viciousness between the two of them and, and hatred and evil. Just this sleazy evil that Nakamura... Nakamura has latched onto a character trait now... Uh, that is he's he's using the charisma and the star power that everyone always said he had but he never really got a chance to get across on the main roster and you saw a bit of it in NXT cuz they made him look yeah. like a killer but he never really had that on the main roster they're finally giving it to him dude i am so happy about, i'm so excited about and what, this and i feel like this is we're only seeing the beginning of this like we're just seeing the beginning phases. I, I guess you know, three weeks out of WrestleMania now, it's we're just getting to the the level that it's at. I think this is going to go on for a long. I time. I hope it runs to SummerSlam. Yeah, I I'm so excited about this. It, Nakamura's work is so good, and his frankly his his uh, low blows are so good. He's even been endorsed by a former Chaos member, Toru, uh, it was former co-Chaos member, Toru Yanu, <laughs> uh, who I'm sure he learned something from because Toru Yanu is of course the master of the low blow. He does it in every match virtually. The peen shots. The pe- <laughs> <laughs> it's never going to get it's old. It's never going to get old. Uh, moving on, we got to talk about the other big segment on the show, which opened the show, which was 
Miz TV has come back to SmackDown Live. Welcome back. Welcome oh, back. Oh, my goodness. The, yeah, uh, Miz is... I mean, he can go to either show and be money. Yes. But uh, yeah, back on SmackDown Live and immediately addressing the elephant in the room and saying, oh yeah, Daniel Bryan wants to punch me in the face. Come on out, Daniel. You know what? I'm a changed man. I got a daughter now. Look, you can come on out and punch me in the face. Let's see what happens. And I'm sitting here going, what? Are, are we face turning Miz and are we, are oh, we I, heel turning Daniel Bryan here? I love the fact that they're actually teasing uh, this Miz face turn and he's actually making it come across as just sleazy and kind of uh, patronizing yeah. where he, he doesn't, it doesn't, he obviously doesn't feel genuine at all. You know, it feels completely put on <laughs> that. He's saying he's a changed man. Cause you look into his daughter's eyes and she wants him to be a better person. You're like, Oh, you son of a bitch. You're not going to be better. You don't even know what the word is. It's, it's great heel work. What was surprising here is Daniel Bryan did not come out, but who should come out? But the big angry orange himself, big, big Cass. Cass, big Cass comes out. And uh, has a little face-off stare-down thing with Miz, who uh, who gets in his face a little bit and gets riled up, but then Big Cass cuts a promo. And I got to say, it's one of Cass's best promos. Yeah. Uh, which is not saying much, but... It, it kind of went on forever. It Well, and it, <laughs> I still don't understand some of the, the point of it, but at the same time, I liked I liked a lot of what he did here. You know, he talked about why he's uh, he felt like he was relegated to the sidelines. You know, he came back from injury the same day Daniel Bryan did, and everyone forgot about him. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, he wants to beat up Daniel Bryan, not only because of being overshadowed by him, but because he doesn't like little people. Yep. Because he was once little and got bullied. And then in response, he got big and beat up the, the bullies and everyone who was small because he hates himself when he was small. I didn't quite get all that. I didn't... <laughs> quite understand the logic which i think might have been the point but i didn't quite get it but it in some ways it worked and i'm still not i'm still on the fence about big Cass. i'm not sure what his beef with daniel bryan is either like what what was his whole thing because daniel bryan's little and he's an underdog and Cass hates underdogs because he used to be an underdog right that's what i mean is it's it's a little bit of stretching logic here it's stretching logic almost as bad as his suit stretched that wasn't quite fit for him right uh, but uh, yeah, I think that he's borrowed Bobby Roode's suit and he needs to give it back to him. I, I think Bobby Roode <laughs> needs to show him where he gets his suits tailored yeah, is what I think he needs point. to do. Uh, but no, bottom line is his cast came out without his suit jacket or watch on. And we find out later in the show that before he came out, apparently he beat up Daniel Bryan backstage and left him, you know, on the ground. So they've started a feud and now it looks like they will have a match. Pages booked a match between them at backlash. How do we feel about Daniel Bryan's first feud back? Being big Cass, um, I hope my silence says answers that for you. Um, I I don't think that this is the right way to do it. I feel like it's a setup for Miz and Daniel Bryan. If I'm being honest, uh, one of the uh, Miz is going to get involved somehow and make Daniel Bryan lose, and that's going to lead us to uh, and we get a win win. I think that. that's we hopeful end, thinking. We end up with Miz and Daniel Bryan, and we get uh, Cass put over a little bit. So I I I. I look. It's no secret. I love big dudes. I'm a fan of big cast. There was even a moment when he was doing his promo where he set, mentioned that he was seven feet tall, and the crowd went, "And you can't teach that." And I noticed that he almost did. It. He kind of sniffled a little bit or looked around, and he didn't address it. So yes, I want him to be successful. I like big dudes, but at the same time, I I want to see Miz. Stop! Listen, you came up with say say you Shasa. say you say you like big dudes one more time. I like big dudes in rings, wrestling. 
Okay. Don't, <laughs> All right, so we're going to save this. Uh, I want to see Miz and Daniel Bryan get into a feud. Got I don't really care about material for years now. Biz, biz. I don't care about um, Big Cass being involved in this in any way. Best thing that could happen is is Miz and gets involved with the match, and then they go off and feud. Yeah, I, I got to have to say that underwhelmed would be the word I would use for this being Daniel Bryan's first feud back. Uh, kind of like after WrestleMania 30, his fe- first feud was with Kane, and it's kind of like. Eh. Uh, but that being said, this is. All right, fine. Let's see where this goes. You know, I think I think this could be good for Cass to work with someone who's as good as Daniel Bryan. They obviously want to train Cass a little bit, and that yeah. might be what this is for. Um, I, I agree. I would like to see Miz involved in this somehow, but I think that's wishful thinking. We'll get that feud eventually. Miz ain't going anywhere. That's a Daniel SummerSlam match. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah. It will get there. We'll get there. This is just this is the start of things. This is the post WrestleMania hangover feud. Fine. Let's get through it. Let's hope. Let's hope it's something good. Um, speaking of something that's good, the Iconics. Um, hitting on every cylinder, in my opinion. Uh, came out, cut another just great heel promo, and then had a match against Becky Lynch and Asuka. What a way to start debuting those Dang. girls. Holy smokes. Dang, and won. Yes. Beat Becky Lynch and Asuka. Fair, I'm not going to say clean. Heel, some heel tactics were, were used. This Feet the, on the ropes and the like. Yes, the two of them debuting and staying together the way they are, and then that culminating in a tag team match made my prediction that I made last summer that a lot of people called me crazy about, that they're about to introduce a women's tag division. And I think we're going to see this, maybe the Iconics, you know, become one of the first legitimate tag teams in the women's tag division, the upcoming women's tag division. Yeah, I don't think you're crazy for that. I think they need to call up a lot more women to get that Agreed. to work. But uh, Which I think- makes the argument about how much time do they actually have well, on this, Raw and SmackDown. This is the thing. We're already seeing a lot of major performers and major fuse get pushed down to no screen time on the Hulu edition of Raw or, you know, even off TV, we're seeing it on main event, we're seeing it on, on YouTube, some of this stuff. Like, we're get, seeing a lot of stuff get pushed way down the card. How much time do they have for a women's tag division? I don't know. You know, and I, I like seeing a tag match every once in a while. This was a fun match. Um, it's fun to see Asuka be this loose and not have to be, not have the specter of her, uh, of her undefeated streak over her head anymore, but still be able to be sold as a killer. You know, at one point she's she's in there whooping ass, and uh, Billy Kay tries to. You know, she she comes in the ring. Oscar just looks at her, and Billy goes ah, and rolls out of the ring. <laughs> that was brilliant. Uh, well, it's just it's good selling of Oscar as still being a monster, yep. and uh, I, I like the fact that they're able to do that. Um, and but not have to have people always talking about the streak, the streak, the streak. I, I'm not happy with how they ended the streak, but it is going to be good for her going forward to not have that over her head. Yeah, this is great mid card stuff while Carmella and Charlotte are working out their differences at the top of the card over the belt, right? Which, which we let's talk about right now. They yeah. had a segment where we had a contract signing, they had a match at Backlash. There was no, there was never any match. Well, I guess there was technically a match. Carmella had to cash in the money in the bank briefcase to have a two-second match where she kicked Charlotte in the face and took her belt. Well, Charlotte gets the quote-unquote rematch clause, and they're having it at Backlash. So we had a contract signing. Uh, Carmella, we haven't really seen her on TV for most of the year because of the damn briefcase. Uh, She even said, I think she hasn't had a singles match in six months or something like that. Uh, But here she showed why they gave her the, the briefcase in the first place. She's a great heel. Yes, she She is. Funny. She is entertaining. She is just you want to hate her so much uh and she's so good at it and by the time that she had got the audience hot enough for flair to come out and had the entire audience go oh thank god charlotte's here to put a stop to this 
and they sit down at the table and Carmella is just sitting there shoving the belt in, Car- in Charlotte's face and jumping around and laughing and to the point where Renee had to say, Carmella, would you please be professional and sit down <laughs> multiple times? Brilliant. Brilliant heel work. Yep. And having her, you know, be like this yappy little dog bouncing around the ring on one side and Charlotte be like the big kind of silent, angry bulldog on the other side of the ring, just waiting, just waiting to just take that one hit uh, was great. It was a great dynamic. It's a lot of fun. I love this. I think this segment was was absolute money and it was entirely culminated by that yapping dog getting backhanded by Charlotte signing the contract, looking at her, woo, flipping the... Picking her, grabbing her head, slamming her on the table, flipping the table over, flipping the table. And it it, it looked legit. Like it, that table landed. On, I'm sure it's a card table. It doesn't matter. It's like these little tables over here. But at the same time, I was just like, damn. It was it was a big looking table. I'll put it that yeah. way. And it went completely flat on. It flattened Carmella. Yeah, flattened her on the ground. Was completely on top of her. It that it looked great. I'll put it that way. It was a great looking beat down like two second beat down by Charlotte. Charlotte looked like an absolute monster. And it was this whole segment was in my opinion in car to, to coin Carmela's term. It was money. It was money. It was absolutely money. Um, looking forward to this feud continuing. Um, speaking of continuing feuds, the Usos and Harper and Rowan, the bludgeon brothers have a match for the championship belts, the tag belts at uh, the greatest Royal rumble. We had some more build for this. Naomi's been getting involved since last week. She got involved this week. We had a backstage segment between Jay, Jimmy and Naomi, obviously Naomi, Jimmy's wife. I loved their chemistry. Yeah, obviously, obviously, obviously we know why they have the chemistry, um, you know, with the, with the boys obviously being twins and, you know, Jay is obviously going to be close with Naomi as well because right. it's his brother's wife. They all had such great chemistry. And when Naomi's expressing that she's worried about Jimmy having this match tonight against uh, um, Rowan uh, of the Bludgeon Brothers, you know, it felt the most. Uh, I'm not going to say that it was, it felt like completely unscripted, but instead of being like the normal high school play kind of scripted that it usually feels, this was more like, you know, like local theater. This was actually not bad. This is pretty good. Um, it, it felt a lot. It was very engaging because you could feel the genuine care she had for him. I agree with that, but I don't know if it's the right ingredient to add to this feud that's now involving New Day Usos and Bludgeon Brothers. I think New Day are out of the feud. They had a little segment. So? Well, they had a segment with the bar backstage where they were all talking yeah, smack to true. each other. You know what I mean? And the bar saying, we're not even going to be on SmackDown. We're going to win the Raw tag belts back and you'll, you'll be rid of us. And New Day was like, great, bye. Yeah, peace. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which means that they'll probably lose the belts and right. they'll come over and feud with New Day. Right. I think this is just Usos and uh, the Bludgeon Brothers right now. And frankly, you know, with this match where basically both Usos get beaten down, it's just Jimmy's match, but, you know, Harper's there too. They're getting murdered, and Naomi comes running out with her big flashy entrance, distracts the Bludgeon Brothers with this sort of Salome show that she does. <laughs> yeah, that's and, a good way to put and, it. And, you know, quick roll up on Rowan, and, and Usos pull one off. And they all kind of, they all, you know, half beat up, you know, stagger up the ramp, and Harper Rowan in the ring going, oh, you sons of... Mm. Uh, I liked that dynamic. I wasn't 100% on it last week. I'm like, oh, don't let Naomi get involved in this. It was just a little weird that she came out and just instead of running down to help or interfere, she just started dancing at the top of the ramp and doing her entrance Well, she thing. just did her entrance. Yeah. It Which was her a little weird. involved cutting all the lights off. Cutting all the right. lights and flashing lights and her right. dancing around with like glittery things. It was like, look, flashy object. Huh? Uh? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I, I, I wasn't mad at this dynamic. I'm very curious to see what they do with this dynamic. Uh, in their match in Jeddah, because here's the thing. Ain't like they're going to have Naomi run out and run interference in this match, right? Yeah. 
Can they? I don't. Uh, I guess they can't. Is that legal? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah the last. And, and also, also Vince McMahon might get stoned to death if well, he does that. Oh, you know? so I don't. I don't, know. I don't think Vince would be the one getting stoned to death, my friend. I, I don't. I think it would. Uh, I think. Let's not would, go down that rabbit I think, hole again. I think to hey, quote, we to still quote, got one more match to, to quote talk about. Corey Graves. To quote Corey Graves in a very weird call in this match. Uh, I don't think that the sins of the wife would be visited on the husband in this particular case. That was an actual line he gave. As, what as does they that were, even mean? I well, I think I, I understand his intention behind that line. But given the fact that they're having this match in Saudi Arabia, that came off as a really awkward line. I was just like, oh, what? What did you just... I don't know how I feel about this. Or he might have gotten just a little bit too smart for his own good there. (laughs) Uh. The the bleach from his hair is seeping into his brain. Yes. Uh, One last thing on SmackDown Live. We had uh, Shelton Benjamin once again having a match against... uh, uh, Well, it was supposed to be against Matt Hardy. But much like Jeff last Hardy. week, uh, sorry, thank you, Jeff Hardy. Uh, one, much like last week, Jeff Hardy's coming to the ring to face Shelton Benjamin and gets interrupted by somebody else, much like he did last week to Randy Orton. Well, this week, Randy Orton did it to him, interrupted his entrance and stole his match. And then Randy Orton had a match with Shelton Benjamin while Jeff sat at ringside and watched from the commentator's table. Uh, first of all, are we in 2004 here? Exactly. That's that's all I could think of. That's all I could think of last week when we were having Jeff Hardy fight Shelton Benjamin, and now we get Randy Orton and Shelton Benjamin with Jeff Hardy sitting on the sideline. I'm going, it's 2004. I've seen all this before. What are yeah, we doing? Again? But I'm not mad at it. You know, I, no. I, I if this is you know the, the nostalgia tour for these three guys fighting each other, I'm I'm not mad at it. They no. still they still are fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, and frankly, I'm wondering. My only thing I'm wondering is. Shelton Benjamin going to be essentially the transitional feud for these two guys until Orton and Jeff finally get their feud going, or is he going to be involved in a triple threat somehow for the U.S. title? Could That's be my, either way. My only question um, here, only thing, I, only takeaway I had from this. Yeah. So a Singh brother showed up somewhere in this as well, didn't he? Yeah, he came out at the end to. Uh, but to, I thought they were on Raw. Well, he beat up Jeff Hardy because right. well, right, because Jeff Hardy has a match against Jinder in in, in Saudi Arabia. Oh, okay. And then he got involved in that. Security blocked him, so he ran into the ring. And of course, Randy Orton does as he loves to do to Singh brothers, which is murder them. Uh, he murdered the Singh brother, and then uh, Shelton Benjamin picked up the quick win over Randy Orton. So again, that's what that's what I'm saying is if. Um, if this is a feud with, with Jeff and Randy, well, now Shelton has a win over Randy, so he could insert himself in the feud fairly easily if that's how they decided to go yeah. with the storyline. That would make sense. I would be fine I'd with. I'd be fine with it. 2004 Nostalgia Tour, the three of them fighting over the U.S. title. I'm happier about that than I am about Jinder and Randy. And Bobby. And Bobby yeah. on the title. Yeah. That's a way better option. So, Well, that's SmackDown Live, folks. Uh, last but certainly not least, we have to make our picks for the greatest Royal Rumble matches that are upcoming here because at this point, all the championships are on the... Well, except for the women's championship. Not to go down that rabbit hole again. <laughs> Too late. I'm just going to jab that knife in there as uh, many times as I can. All of the men's championships are on the line at the greatest Royal Rumble. We should just say, like, if the women were competing, who would win? Oh, that would be a good That'd be a good <laughs> side contest yeah, to have, right. right? We could do, like, penny bets or something. Anyway, greatest Royal Rumble matches. Let's start at the top with the Cruiserweight Championship, which I know we're jumping ahead, but after 205 Live this week, we now know will be a match between Cedric Alexander and Kalisto. Yeah, Kalisto picking up the win in the uh, gauntlet. As you said, we will we will go over that because it was a great show on yeah, 205 Live this week. 
Uh, Kalisto pulled it out, though. Uh, between Cedric and Kalisto, who's getting this one? Uh, it's it's too short for Cedric not to hold on to that belt still. Uh, uh, Cedric, hometown boy in Charlotte, is uh, is going to hang on to it for a little bit longer because Kalisto's not going to be the one to take it off of him. I absolutely agree. Uh, this is abs- this is going to be Cedric all the way. Uh, Kalisto is just a perfect guy to go up against and put on a good match and, and lose and not lose anything from losing here. Yep. Uh, next up, we've got the bar uh, facing off against the leader of worlds for the Raw Tag yes, Team Matt Championship. Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt against the bar. Who yes. do you have here? Uh, I cannot honestly see. Is this for the championships? Yes, it like, is. Because they've been. It's that's for the been Raw the hard things for me to understand about this. I, I honestly don't want the belts on either of these guys. Oh wow! That's, that's that's really what this comes down to. I think the whole tournament thing that they did that Bray and Matt ran away with. I just it felt. Forced and it's and the, I don't. Of course, know. it was forced. It was, uh, it was they were and, trying and with, to run this as quickly as they could to get this uh, get this done with and 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 get something to move forward with after the shakeup. And because of that, I, because of that solely, I'm going to pick the deleter of worlds because it just feels like it's been telegraphed the entire tournament. No, I, I think it's way more simple than that. The bar has been drafted to SmackDown. They're not taking the raw tag belts to SmackDown. Fair. They, why would they even spend time on them going to SmackDown if they were going to put the belts back on them on Raw? They need to have uh, Matt and, and Bray get these titles, and then we can have the whole tag division on Raw moving forward against these guys, give them some legitimacy. You know, we, we didn't team these guys up so they could just sit there in, in tag team mid-card land. Right. It's, it's simple as hell. Uh, the leader of words, worlds, absolutely. Uh, next up for the SmackDown Live champion, Tag Championships, we've got the Usos versus the Bludgeon Brothers. Who you got for this one? I can't imagine the Bludgeon Brothers losing at this point. Uh, it would be far too quick. Uh, it, would, it would diminish their monster heel uh, approach. They would have to win it back again super quickly. I, the Usos are going to get destroyed without Naomi there to help them. I disagree with you. I think that we saw a glimpse of uh, the the quick roll-up this week in the singles version of this. I think there is a chance, and I'm going to take a flyer on this one, that the Usos get the SmackDown Live titles back, and it embroils the feud even more uh, as we head into Backlash and beyond. Wow. How did you win WrestleMania? Uh <laughs> No, I, I I can't imagine that at at all. I think the stand- I'm gonna play that clip back of stand- you saying that when they do win next week. That's fine. So no. You know what? Be my mark it right now. <laughs> mark it right now. Mark this that that there's no way it's happening. Okay. Uh, Undertaker versus Rusev in a casket match. Who do you have here? There, there's no way Undertaker doesn't win this. Honestly, there's no way they're gonna put Rusev over the freaking Undertaker. Especially yeah, in in a in a new market. Of 33 million people, yeah. Undertaker is going over every single time. Agreed. It, jo- it would be a smarter, it would be a more fun bet to, to do over-under on how long it takes his entrance for him to get down to the ring. Uh, relative time between his entrance and the length of the match, yes. I think is what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Entrance, 20 minutes. Match, 5 minutes. Right. Uh, next up, John Cena versus Triple H in the random match uh, of the century here. Like I, I have honestly have no idea. It's a 50-50 coin flip. I'm going to say Triple H probably wants to put himself over here and go over John Cena. You know what? I think there's definitely an argument for that. Triple H does love him going over when in, in his another country. That being said, John Cena, arguably a bigger international star at this point due to his movie deals, etc., uh, I think that Cena is definitely the person that they're of the two. I think that the smart money would be on Cena just because they want to make he is the marquee figure sure. internationally right now. It's not Triple H. And as much as I think that that um, Triple H loves to go over, I don't think he's going over John Cena here. Uh, if he does, I will be man. His his golden shovel has gotten grand. Indeed, <laughs> it's gotten large. Indeed, uh, 
So, yeah, I, I'm going to call Cena on this one. Uh, we also have a U.S. title match. Jinder Mahal versus Jeff Hardy, a rematch from last week's Raw. Who do you have here? Uh, this is going to be interesting for a minute. So okay, this is going to tie into the following match as well. So Let's talk about both of these. So Jinder Mahal versus Jeff Hardy for the U.S. title, and then we also have the Intercontinental belt. Uh, ladder match. Ladder match. Four-way ladder match. Fin, uh, Miz versus Finn Balor versus Samoa Joe versus Seth the Champion Rollins. Yes. So overall, I think the big thing that's going to happen between these two matches is that Jinder Mahal is going to win the U.S. title back in order to take it back to Monday Night Raw. And I believe that they are going to put the ninth Jericho tying Intercontinental Championship reign on The Miz so that he can take the Intercontinental title to SmackDown. That's my overall picture. Without getting into any of the fantasy booking stuff and reasons, that's really what I come down on is gender winning the U.S., Miz winning the Intercontinental. Okay. Miz or Samoa Joe, really. Yeah, I'm going to go Miz. I, I, see, I don't think they're going to put it back on, regardless of, of the other outcomes. And I, I could see them flipping the titles again. Um, I think it would be too soon for, for Jeff to lose it. But I could see them doing it. I, there's definitely a world I could see them flipping the titles like that. It would be exciting for them to do that. Um, but I don't, I, I don't see Miz getting his record ninth win here. I see them waiting on that a little bit. You know, I could, I could see Finn winning it, Samoa Joe winning it. Um, you could see Finn winning it? You heard me. I could. Oh, uh, okay. I'm, I'm afraid so. Uh, I, I think that... Actually, I would like Finn to win it. Oh, because That's a better way to say it. I would like Finn to win it, especially because he's become LGBTQ defending Finn. And if he wins this belt in Saudi Arabia, that would be such a wonderful, subtle yes. F you. Yep. Uh, that I, I would actually, that's who I would like to prefer. That being said, because this is a competition, I'm going to say Jeff Hardy for the U.S. title and Seth Rollins retains the IC belt. Huh. Well, there's as much likelihood of Finn winning it here as there is of Kid Rock coming out and singing American Badass in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Hey, next up, AJ Styles is facing off, or should I say having a rematch with Shinsuke Nakamura for the WWE Championship. Who you got? You know what? We have not had, we've not predicted a title change yet on this show, uh, except for the, 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 the raw tag. The raw tag is the only one that I have down here as being uh, a title change. Well, you have, but uh, I have not. Okay. Except for the raw tag, which isn't really a transition. It's, it's currently being held by vacant. Um, sure. So this is the one where I think we're going to start seeing, we're going to see the, the two big titles changes is what I'm going to call right now. Shinsuke Nakamura uses his dirty tactics, takes it from AJ and beats AJ down even more in this feud that I think will be running most of the spring and summer. Uh, I think Shinsuke is going to take it off of AJ here. I agree with you. I think Shinsuke Nakamura is going to win the WWE Championship here that will lead to a bigger, badder SummerSlam match, rematch. I agree with you. This feud is yeah. going to run all summer, if not the length of the year. We, we've wanted him to get a title for a while now, and it just hasn't been right. And, and I actually agree with the WWE not putting it on him before now. I don't think it was the right time to do it. Even during the gender experiment, as a way to save us, Shinsuke, please. No, it wasn't really the right time. Right. He wasn't hot. He's hot now. Yeah, he is. Strike while the iron is hot. Put it on him. I think this is the time. Uh, and, and that leads us to the next match, which is Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar in the cage for the Universal title. Um, I think because no other titles have changed hands, I really do think that they held off for Saudi Arabia to have a crowd be happy for Roman winning. I think that they, they, they stopped the WrestleMania. That, 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 that was stopped the week of the show. Yeah. And by that point, they had just made the deal with Saudi Arabia. And I think Vince said, I want my boy getting cheered when he gets coronated. Um, I want it to look good in history to have the audience cheering him when he wins. 
I don't want history to show people booing him out of the building when he wins. And even though it might not be as big, quote unquote, of a coronation, uh, because it's not at WrestleMania, you know what I mean? It's still, and I, and I think it's a terrible idea to finally have Brock Lesnar lose the mystique and have Roman Reigns finally beat Brock Lesnar, have it at this weird, controversial show. I think it's a dumb decision. It wouldn't be the first time WWE made a dumb, tone-deaf decision, but I think that Roman Reigns has taken it here. Everything in my gut is telling me that it's going to be Roman Reigns, but there's something in my head that's going, Brock didn't just sign up for one more pay-per-view. We don't know how many he signed up for. He signed up for a, a, a what I case by case it's basis. Through SummerSlam. It's case by case basis. No? He has signed up for a contract where they pay him per appearance, huh. and they can he can have as many or as few appearances as they feel necessary. That's why I can't. I just can't get my head around this. You know, as as we all knew, one hundred percent, it was going to be Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, and look what happened. I I hear your arguments about Roman getting coronated and cheers and all of that stuff. He has looked like crap Yep. the past, I don't know how many months. Cold, as cold as he's been. It's a wet blanket, and I don't know if, if they're going to pull the trigger on him. I've got to go with my head here and say Brock. I don't think that's a bad choice. I think that they easily could keep it on Brock and have it go through Money in the Bank, break Punk's record, and then have the Money in the Bank person cash in on him yep. and take it off him and keep the mystique and keep him looking strong and bring him back wherever they want as the monster So and, and put that mystique on someone down the road even further. So I don't think that's a. I don't think that you're wrong in choosing that. I just think that I'm more right in choosing Roman Reigns. <laughs> uh, finally, we have to get to the 50 man rumble. 50, speaking, of, speaking of tossing coins, 50. <laughs> Jesus, just grab a grab a ten dollar roll of quarters and go throw them in a fountain. It, Zach Ryder. No, he's oh, injured. God. No, uh, who do you think is winning the 50 man? I don't know. Royal Rumble. Uh, let me pull a, a name out of my ass. I who whoever could. It could be Baron Corbin. I don't think it'll be a big dude. I want to say that. I don't think it's going to be one of the big guys. I think there's an opportunity here for Daniel Bryan to potentially win the 50-man Royal Rumble. I'm trying to think of the big international superstars that are going to go over well in that environment, and that's who they're going to pick, much like you were saying about, about Roman. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to stick with Daniel Bryan. And currently, Daniel it. Bryan, if you are taking bets, if you're a betting man, he's, got the, he's ahead in Vegas. He's yeah, the number okay. one pick. Um, and I will tell you why it's not going to be Daniel Bryan because, um, I don't, first of all, I, I never trust Vegas, uh, as far as wrestling, wrestling's concerned. And I think that, uh, you're not looking at what the Royal Rumble is. It's not giving you anything. This is, this is just, you're fighting for momentum and a trophy in this, right? So all it's doing is essentially coronating a new star. Right or coordinating whoever it is, I don't think it's going to be an older an older wrestler because they've already had their time, and I think that uh, they want to create a new international superstar here. Daniel Bryan's already over. A lot of these older stars are already over. They want to get somebody else to that next level internationally. They want to get someone who they see as a future superstar, international superstar, to that next level. And I can only think of one person who is on that cusp, who is not involved in any other matches, who I think if he wins this will absolutely be over already enough to get the crowd completely fired up for his win, and that is Braun Strowman. Mm. I'm absolutely going with Braun Strowman on this. Uh, I think he would be the logical choice. And frankly, sir, now that you've locked yourself in on Daniel Bryan, if your boy Braun wins it and I picked him and you didn't, that's going to be something you're going to have to lay awake with at night. As I sit here in my Get These Hands t-shirt. You're sitting there. You literally have a Braun Strowman shirt on yep. right now, you mark. I just, and you didn't pick your boy. I, I know. 
I just it's too obvious to have one of the big guys win it like that. Some something's gonna happen where the big guys oh they always they do tag they always up team thrown, up on them yeah right they always get thrown out early so and it's like oh my god why did that happen and you end up with three little dudes fighting it out over sure. in the ring right I'd be very curious to see if Daniel Bryan wins I think I think that would definitely be a nice moment but I just I don't I don't see it happening I really don't but we will have to see come tomorrow we'll yeah. have to see come tomorrow at uh, eight in the morning or at, whenever it is <laughs> yeah well, at eight at night when I I don't know what I'm gonna watch it at three in the morning what am I talking about right. uh, to the next day. But uh, yeah, no, we will see what happens. That being said, we still have a lot more to get to today on our show, so we've got to head over and talk about the wide world of wrestling. Well, kicking things off, we got to go over to NXT, over to the Performance Center, and talk about the Undisputed Era opening up with a monster promo with all of them. Dripping in gold. Dripping in NXT gold. Unless you're Bobby Fish, in which case you're dripping in a knee brace. But uh, no, hey, and you know what? Heel Roderick Strong can cut a promo. Yes, who knew that once you let go of all the sad stories in the trailer parks and my kids and all, that you He's once great. you turn into a dick, you can actually cut a promo. He's great. Yeah. He's fantastic. Undisputed Era on another level right now. Uh, Adam Cole saying he's going to have a, a solo match with Oni Lorcan, uh, which he's you know comes in with tape ribs still from the Takeover event. Uh, which yeah, he had, a, he had a solo match for a while, and then Undisputed Era of course got involved, cost Lorcan the match. Uh, who his his tag partner Danny Birch comes down for the save. Big scuffle. Looks like we're going to be getting a a feud between Undisputed Era or at least Roderick Strong and and uh, um, uh, Kyle O'Reilly. Yep, uh, and Oni Lorcan and Birch which I'm all in. I'm all in on that. Yeah, so predictable. We were watching it. I'm like, here comes Danny Birch in three, two, yeah. one. And you know he what? Ran out. <laughs> As we've said before, sometimes predictability is because it's the best option. Agreed. This is the best option. Looking forward to that feud. Another feud I'm looking forward to. Uh, Heavy Machinery had a match against Sabatelli and Moss. Sabatelli and Moss finally, finally break up. Sabatelli leaving Moss high and dry on a tag, walking to the back. So Moss and Sabatelli broken up. Uh, heavy machinery wins and then challenges war wall waiters wall waiters war raiders uh have been challenged and t- called out by heavy machinery that's uh you talk about a hoss on hoss on hoss on hoss match yes uh that's i uh, cannot wait for that one yeah Tugger! <laughs> Tugger! get that uh that's gonna be really good um oh we, yeah we <laughs> we also had in case you didn't know otis dozovich is the kool-aid man uh, if you didn't know otis dozovich is the best thing on nxt it right is. now he's God, he's great. Uh, we also had a lot of segments of women reacting to Shayna Baszler being champ, calling her out, saying they were coming for the championship. But we also had a very disturbed Dakota Kai. It looks like she's been beaten by uh, by somebody uh, mercilessly, uh, very kind of you know demure and shy, getting interviewed and saying she doesn't want to talk about uh, what happened with Shayna Baszler in the Performance Center. And then Shayna Baszler enters the frame, scares the shit out of both her and the interviewer, proceeds to intimidate her even more, and looked like an absolute monster heel in the process. This was fantastic. It was. Is Dakota Kai turning emo with the black hair and the choker necklaces and all of that stuff and the dark eyeshadow and all that going on? I don't know about that. She's probably just in the middle middle of a transitioning the character, I yeah. would imagine. But uh, I, I loved the work she did here of looking terrified. I love the work uh, Baszler did here of looking terrifying even kathy kelly backing up away from the shana baszler yeah she kathy came in. kelly looking looking genuinely intimidated by baszler as well all of this was just fantastic and awesome. it makes baszler look like a, a scary scary champ and having everyone gunning for her now is a the, the, that woman's division is on fire yes it is speaking of on fire we were supposed to have a match between johnny gargano and uh alistair black 
this week. That match did not happen because that bald bastard. That bald son son of a bitch. He's back. God damn it. Ciampa comes out, ambushes Johnny Gargano, and murders him. Knees him into the uh, the light board in the back, which starts flickering. Gives him an air raid off the stage. Johnny taken away on a stretcher with a neck brace again. While Shades Ciampa, of the DIY breakup. Yep, well, while Ciampa stands on top of a production truck and looks like an evil Batman villain. I loved uh, all the cameos during this bit that we had outside. As we're, as we're carting Johnny Gargano to the ambulance, you had an Aleister Black double take. Well, cameo. the Aleister Black was great because it led into more that we'll get into in a second. It yep. led into storyline. And it was a really elegant, like a lot of things in NXT where they, they elegantly lead one segment into another. That was a great way to elegantly, elegantly lead into the next Segment. I do want to say real quick before we get into that segment, the Champa Gargano feud continues. Yes. Oh hell yes. All year. Bring it to me. I we said last, we've said it multiple times. This will be the feud of 2018. So far, it's only freaking the end of April, and it's already the feud of the year. Yep. And we're we're still going. Dear God. This is awesome. But hey, to take things back inside after we cart off Johnny Gargano and Al and um, uh Ciampa waves bye bye to him in his evil sinister way oh, from the so top good. of the truck. Uh, in comes Alistair Black on a mission, just just marching in, grabs a microphone and gets in and says, hey, Johnny Gargano you, or Tommaso Ciampa, you took my match away from me. Will you get a... Oh, God, Sanity shows up. What? Did, what yeah, again, so this is elegant. So you had Johnny Gargano coming down, getting taken out by Ciampa. You had uh, Alistair Black see this injustice happen and then start to challenge Ciampa and say, you take my match, I'm going to come after you, you know. Making this him seeing this injustice seem like he's going to write it in a in a very you know sports kind of way. I like that, but then get interrupted by sanity and be forced into a match against uh, Eric Young, which was a surprise match and it was a great match. But it ended up being a way for their champion to look strong. You had Alistair Black handily after a good long match take out Eric Young, and then the other members of Sanity come in, and he get just three black mass kicks in a row. You've got three guys knocked out in the middle of the ring, and your champion standing tall. Sanity's on their way out to SmackDown Live. It's a great way to make Alistair look like a son of a bitch, like just an, uh, the baddest man on the planet, while still being a face for defending Johnny Gargano and calling out Ciampa. Yep. This, you just put over your champion in about 15 minutes. Yep. And He's, what it, I see an outcome coming out of this is you're going to have some kind of the roles are going to reverse a little bit. You're going to have Alistair Black and Tommaso Ciampa uh, f- squaring off with each other now and into some kind of feud. And Gargano is going to come in and start taking back. those opportunities away from Ciampa and yeah. messing with him. How, who knows how long Gargano's be out with injury? You'll have a little a little feud with Ciampa and uh, and Black. This is all fantastic stuff. Yes. And uh, I just, and I, I we talk we, about goosebumps on Lesnar. I we just, were, I'm excited about this. We were saying that it might be something where the belt ends up on Gargano or Ciampa at some point. And so by the end of the year, we actually have the belt involved in this feud when Black gets called up. Yep. So all around, could not be happier with the state and the direction of NXT. Moving over to 205 Live, uh, quickly we're going to talk about the fact they had a gauntlet match this week. Obviously, we gave away the finish to this earlier. Kalisto did walk away with this, but this was an hour of nonstop action. 205 Live killed it again this week yes uh from top to bottom it was one giant gauntlet match starting off with tjp and mustafa ali uh it was that right there was a great match uh ali snuck one in on him and ends up going over but who should come out drew gulak well the great thing about that was uh tjp actually injured mustafa uh, you know injured 
Mustafa Ali's leg. So when Drew Gulak appears, the first thing you think is, oh, geez, here's the guy who's ever, like, he's the submission machine. He's the submission guy. Sorry, I'm thinking of Taz for some reason. <laughs> uh, submission specialist. He, uh, he's, this is going to be, he's going to kill him. But Ali puts up a great fight against Drew Gulak. And, and that this was a, a very intense match as well. And it ended with, I think probably the scariest moment for me this week, which was uh, Ali going, he was on the top turnbuckle, falls to the outside, and headbutts the stairs, essentially. I can't really put it any other way than that. I legit thought he was dead. I heard the ref, overheard the ref in the background going, get the doctor down here or something like that, and I thought we were about to get a, a, a cross arm. It, it was one of the, I mean... It was that scary. It was It was a really well-sold uh, hit off the stairs. It, it was genuinely scary. And uh, it was the end of the match. Gulak rolls and rolls his dead body back into the ring and gets the pin. Uh, really worth a look. That particular cell in particular. I I, I got to say, Ali did a great job of selling that. I'd be surprised if there's not a gif out there of it already. I, uh, I wouldn't be know. surprised at all. But then, because they're great at telling stories here, who should come out next? But Tony his arch Nese, rival, his arch rival Tony Nese, his ex best friend, ex besties. Uh, yeah. And they had a really vicious, hard-hitting, intense match where Tony Nice tried to double-tap Drew Gulak with the uh, corner knee, but Gulak sneaks away and gets him into a surprise dragon sleeper and taps him out. So now Tony Nice has some beef with some more beef with Gulak going forward. He's got some some anger and some regret going forward. So now that storyline is even more interesting going yep. forward. They were telling stories in the middle of all of these things. It was fantastic. Finally, obviously ended up with Drew Gulak and Kalisto. And as we said, Kalisto pulled off the win there. Uh, I'm loving 205 Live. They're killing it every week. It's been a solid like two months. Ever since um, uh, Drake Maverick has come on board and we've gotten rid of Enzo, it has been money ever since because we immediately started with that tournament that culminated at WrestleMania, and now we're going off and doing another... Ever since they let Triple H and his people take over, basically. Basically, yes. Um, do you like the idea that we're saving Gulak for the title picture somewhere down the road? I, I, yes, I agree with that. Let Cedric hang on to it for a little while, and let's. we really need to build that feud. If you just throw Drew Gulak in there... I think the Kalisto is a nice, you know, let's keep, let's tread water a little bit yeah. and keep the belt on Cedric. It makes him look better for when he does get. And him and Buddy Murphy have nice long oh, feud yeah. too. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. And, and there's a lot of stuff for Gulak to do before he gets in the title picture. And same with a lot of the other guys as well. Yep. Uh, other news we got to get to impact impact is suddenly relevant. Again, they're getting more and more ratings every week. They are having a resurgence. Uh, they just had their redemption pay-per-view and we got to talk about this specifically because our boy, Pentagon Jr., currently the Lucha Underground heavyweight champion. Well, he's now the heavyweight champion of Impact Wrestling. He just beat uh, Austin Aries and his brother Phoenix in a uh, three-way match. Broke Austin Aries' arm in the process, by oh. the way, in traditional Pentagon fashion. Obviously, not he's not really, didn't really injure him. But, <laughs> but yeah, Pentagon Jr., now Impact champion. I'm very excited about this. Uh, they are making me want to watch Impact more and more and more. I have I've barely been able to catch it, but... You know what? I'm now they got me. Yep. They got me hooked. Nicely done, Don Callis and Scott the Amore. You're well done. The, well, good booking. Uh in other news off that pay-per-view, uh <laughs> in a weird move, Scott Steiner and Eli Drake are now your tag champions. They beat LAX. Scott Steiner uh, is Scott a champion back. in 2018. He did a top rope Frankensteiner. Wow. He could barely move, but he could still do a top rope Frankensteiner. Uh, uh, unbelievable. Uh, our boy Brian Cage yes. also was in a big match. Uh, he, <laughs> he was in a big match. He defeated Ishimori, DJZ, Trevor Lee, Desmond Xavier, what? and uh, Hijo de, de Fantasma. Also, uh, as you may know, King Cuerno from uh, Lucha Underground. Yes. 
lot of the Lucha guys coming over to Impact right now. So Brian Cage won that big uh, big match. Uh, Taya Valkyrie defeated Kira Hogan. Nice. Uh, Matt also S- PWG. Yeah, Lucha, Matt Seidel. Matt Seidel, the uh, Impact TNA mainstay, defeated uh, Petey Williams and retained his X Division belt. Um, OVE, Sammy Callahan's little group, defeated Eddie Edwards, Moose, and Tommy Dreamer. But here's the thing. Uh, Sammy got the roll up on Tommy Dreamer, but Eddie Edwards, who obviously we we talked about him and Sammy Callahan, right? right. Sammy Sammy missed the chair with the, bat. the, the, yep. with the bat and he hit Edwards in the face. Legit hit him in the face, but they've been making a whole angle off of it. Well, now Edwards has lost his mind and he tied Callahan to the ropes and just beat him so mercilessly that the ref tried to stop him. Edwards shoved the ref away. Alicia, Alicia came out of the back. He shoved Alicia. So Eddie Edwards has, has lost his mind. So that whole angle has now gotten really, really nice and hot as well. Off the they, back of a botched bat angle. Which yeah. Which is funny. Which, well, hell yeah, man. You, you make Ride money it. make money where you can. Yeah. And that's what Impact is doing right now. Well worth a look. Uh, we got to talk about New Japan really quickly because we are on the road to Wrestling Dontaku, which happens in the first part of May. First week of May, we'll be covering that. But on the road to, wrestle, to Wrestling Dontaku, we have, a, we have a Juice Robinson versus Hiroki Goto match for the Never Open Weight. That's going to be a lot of fun. Juice is working on, a, on another level right now. Goto is always a solid hand. I'm looking forward to that match. Uh, after, after Juice had the, the G1 that he had last year, I'm really looking forward to seeing how well he performs in the G1 upcoming this year. Oh, I I'm think lo- he's going to be one of the surprise hits. I'm looking forward to his whole year. He's, yeah. been, he's been having a come-out year f- since then. That was, that was really where he's coming out party. He's been on a roll since. Yeah. Uh, we at Wrestling Dontaku, we do have some really big matches at the top of the card. We finally have the Bullet Club Civil War match where you've got uh, the OG uh, Bullet Club, uh, Tonga Loa, Tamatanga, Bad Luck Fale with the Golden Lovers, Koto Ibushi and Kenny Omega against like the Bullet Club core, Nick Jackson and Matt Jackson, uh, the, the Young Bucks, Marty Skrull, Hangman Page and Cody. So we're having the Bullet Club Civil War actually finally happen. Uh, you've got Will Ospreay versus Kushida. For the uh, junior heavyweight belt, if you've ever watched them wrestle before, you know that that's going to be absolutely absurd. absurd. Yes. It's going to be insane. Uh, And then at the top of the card, you have Okada versus Tanahashi again. This is going to be their 11th match against each other. Uh, Singles match. They've had like like 200 matches where they're involved with each other, but this is their their, uh, 11th singles match. It's the ultimate rubber match. They've got two draws and then four wins apiece. So whoever wins this, I you know, we'll, oh, okay. we'll, we'll pull ahead. Interesting. Yeah. So I wonder what outcomes that'll have as we get into things like the G1 or the championship matches later in the year. Well, that could be interesting. Okada has held this belt for coming up on 700 days. I mean, he's held it for freaking ever. I do not see Tanahashi taking it off of him. No. Uh, I think they're going to try and break every record with Okada. I don't know who the hell's taking this belt off of that guy. I don't know who should at this point. Um, and, uh, Lucha is also, uh, Lucha new Japan is coming to San Francisco to the cow palace. Uh, the G one special is going to be up there. I don't know if we're going to be able to go cause it is expensive as hell. I can't land in San Francisco without losing $5,000. So well, it's, it's, it's so expensive in the Bay area these days. Well, especially the seats for this thing, two to $300 for, for decent seats. God. Yeah. It's going to be madness. I don't know how they're going to sell this out. Uh, we also got to talk PWG. PWG yeah. had all-star Big news. weekend. Big news from PWG. We were there when Keith Lee won the belt. Well, he just lost the belt. Walter. Walter is your new PWG champion. Uh, he beat Keith Lee and Jonah Rock in a, in a three-way dance. Uh, but be- that's because we suspect Keith Lee's going to the WWE. Yes, there was an announcement that was put up that our boy Keith Lee 
uh, on his Facebook page was going to make a special announcement this week at some time, but we never heard anything this week. So Not, far. Yet. Not, Not yet. Not yet. Expect it maybe tomorrow, but our everything is pointing to that he's going to either NXT or WWE in some capacity. Yeah. So... Uh, yes, yes, which is yes, which he should. Yes. One of the most talented big men in the world. He is the man in whose glory we bask. Yes. Uh, there are some other matches at PWG that were worth noting. Ray Horace and Trevor Lee uh, had a great match in which Ray Horace pulled off the win. Taiji Ishimori, who was uh, having a little guest spot, and Bandito apparently had a match where another guy touched the ground for most of the match, as you'd expect. Ring Kampf, which is Walter and Tim Thatcher, had what was... I, I, unfortunately, I haven't seen this yet. I'm just getting the results. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting this DVD, this Blu-ray, and watching this. They apparently had a classic against Violence Unlimited, which is Brody King and Tyler Bateman. Damn. And I can imagine that would be a bunch of big dudes beating the crap out of each other. Sounds uh, like my kind of match. Yeah. The Rascals, who you and I said were fantastic when we saw them uh, at the last show we went to. Yep. That's Desmond Xavier and Zachary Wentz. Uh, they defeated the Chosen Bros. They defeated Matt, the new tag Matt Riddle and Jeff Cobb for the tag champion. It makes sense. Wow. Riddle and Cobb have tons of places, other, other places yeah. to be. They want guys who can be there to defend it regularly. Uh, it just made sense for them to lose. Uh, night two, you also had Bandito against Ray Horace, which was great. Uh, Joey Janela defeated Robbie Eagles. And Sammy Guevara had his shot against Taiji Ishimori and beat him and then said he wouldn't come back until he gets a title shot. Uh, he's probably got some of the most heat in that company right now, Sammy Guevara. So... Yeah, we'll see. PWG still firing on all cylinders. One of the last times at uh, the place up in the valley. Uh, from now on, they will probably end up downtown where we saw them. Uh, not, not complaining one bit. No, I think it's a I way like better air venue conditioning. for them. <laughs> yeah, obviously, it's, there's, there's something to, uh, to their place out in the valley. But uh, I think uh, mystique aside, I, I think it's time to move up to bigger and better. Yes. Well, hey, to, folk, to finish things off here, let's uh, wrap things up with a little bit of a lightning round. So... All In has, which is the Cody and the Young Bucks putting this on, uh, the event in Chicago. They're trying to get 10,000 seats sold. Right. They've now priced it below market and have added Jay Lethal, Jay Lethal in order to fill, get butts in seats. Yep. I think this is really smart. You know, It's one of those things where you want as many people talking about it as possible and attending and checking in and doing all that stuff just to show that you can put it on. Who cares? you got plenty of money. Who cares how much money you walk away well, with? Well, it's not about the money. They're about setting the record. They yeah. want to set the record for, the, for this for the indie show. So that's, that's what they're gunning for, and I, hopefully they will get it. Uh, Aerostar, uh, they were doing some impact tapings. Aerostar looked like he got injured uh, in one of those impact tapings. Uh, Aerostar, obviously, one of those high flyers. He's, I, I saw him get injured at Lucha Underground. We went off the top of the office and landed, landed funky. Uh, not surprised he got injured. That guy takes a lot of chances, but hopefully he's, he'll be okay. Uh, speaking of injuries, Zach Ryder, as we mentioned earlier, he's also injured. He's got, uh, luckily, it's an ACL-MCL sprain or a, a strain. It's not a tear, so it's just Good. a little bit of rehab. He'll be back. He got injured in a Mike uh, Bennett, uh, Canellis, whatever his name is, match. So, But it is not serious. He will be back, although he will miss the greatest Royal Rumble. Uh, Rich Swan has tweeted out that he is looking for bookings. Oh, uh, yeah. this is kind of the worst case scenario it for Rich. Really is. I mean, talk about a fall from grace. You know, you 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 shake your wife a little too hard one time, and next thing you know, you're quote looking for bookings. That's uh, that's I think that's how it works, buddy. Uh, China, her former manager was uh, had a GoFundMe account up for twenty five thousand dollars for what? Uh, he was trying. So he has one quarter of China's ashes. Uh, China's mom has a quarter. They were supposed to, according to her mom, they were supposed to scatter the other three quarters at sea uh, off of Redondo Beach. And uh, 
according to China's mom, the manager was not supposed to have kept any, but he kept a quarter of them, and he wants to inter them at the Judy Garland uh, Pavilion at Hollywood Forever Cemetery. And for that, he put out an itemized list of what it would cost to do that, and he says it totals to about $25,000. So he put out a GoFundMe for China's fans to help pay for a nice funeral service and an interment uh, in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Okay. The mom called this out as being a scam for him to make money and that she didn't want anyone giving any money to him uh, because she said he was a, he was basically a shyster and, and was trying to steal money and she didn't like him and China didn't like him and don't give him money, basically. So he has taken down the GoFundMe page and says he will still uh, inter China at, at Hollywood Forever and he will raise the money privately. So... You know what? I don't know what to think about that. There's part of me. There's part of me that says that's a really cool and noble and honorable thing to do. But I don't know anything about her former manager, so I I don't really can't make a judgment. So it's one of those things where I'm going. I I like the idea of that. I think that's a really awesome thing to do. But if there's things that I don't know about and reasons why he would be a scumbag and would be potentially scamming people out of this, then yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and 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 it's one of those things where you would imagine that he would want to get the family's permission, but then you also don't know China's relationship with her family that well either. The whole thing just What's sounds What's he doing with her ashes in the first place? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's well, he was really the one who was given responsibility here. to scatter them at Steve. Anyway, uh, just reporting that that is going on. One last thing. ITV's World of Sport looks like it's going to be returning in early uh, May. Really? Yeah. It's okay. going to be coming back. Looks some big stars with that. Grotto and so forth. A bunch of, bunch of nice uh, English stars. So keeping an eye on that, we will report more on that as we know more. Well, tomorrow is the greatest Royal Rumble, as we have put over many times during this episode. So we will definitely be having a recap show for that in the coming days. Stay tuned for that as we continue our build to yet another pay-per-view. Backlash. Next weekend, yes. Backlash. Which, which will actually have women on it. Yes. <laughs> oh, guys. Well, hey, definitely, as the inset of the top of the show, come over to Facebook and join the Facebook dis- uh, Busted Wide Open discussion group with us on Facebook. Lots of fun in there. Follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. And, hey, if you like what we do, we have big plans uh, for make this show much bigger and much better for you guys, more interactivity and things like that. We would love your support. Head over to patreon.com forward slash BWO. Throw a dollar in the tip jar and sign up to do your very own promo right here on the show. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button and download our podcast on the regular. Recommend it to your friends. And if you're on iTunes or Podchaser, leave us a review. Let yes. us know what you think. Give us five stars and tell us what kind of uh, what kind of feedback you want to give to our show to make it better for you guys. We love constructive criticism. We'd love to make this the best show possible yes and if you'd like to rock some sweet swag to represent the show head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash store pick up a t-shirt hoodie phone case coffee mug all those good things but i'm nick howell you can find me on twitter at data center dude and i am sir ian dangerous you can find me on twitter at sir ian dangerous this show is part of the orbital jigsaw network For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.